Check the program. 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 Welcome to Check the Program, a physically distanced podcast by a group of dedicated arts lovers and sometimes journalists who saw a desperate need for more arts coverage in Victoria and decided to do something about it. From Fairfield, I'm Sarah Petrescu. From Fernwood, I'm John Threlfall. From Harris Green, I'm Tim Ford. From Saanich, I'm Brianna. And from the other side of Fernwood, it's me, special guest, Matthew Payne. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Welcome. Uh, We're going to be talking to, as we just heard, Matthew Payne is here, the artistic producer of Theatre Scam. We're going to have a chat with him. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about what we've been seeing online, uh, UnoFest and some of the other live stream viewing we've had. Uh, Talk about some of the arts news that's coming up. And yes, there is news, which is great. It's not just all cancellations. And then, you know, how is everybody doing? Um, Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. So let's start off with Matthew Payne. Um, Matthew, your your son's been getting more attention these days than you have, I think. Uh, Everyone's been enjoying Monroe's daily briefings, which have been fantastic. The Movid 20s. I wasn't sure how much mileage we'd get out of it. And uh, we did take a night off tonight. So, but yeah, we're up to uh, 34 was the number we released yet. The 34th episode was released yesterday. Fantastic. Uh, It was a behind the scenes and bloopers. Nice. <laughs> it's the bonus content coming out already. That's right. That's, <laughs> That's right. great. And you've set up uh, Scam Studios on Fort Street for as a live stream option for people. Uh, that's that's a new development for Scam right now as well. Yes. So it's uh, we give you the nuclear codes and you open the key box, uh, let yourself in, turn off the alarm, and record your stream and then let yourself back out so it's it's pretty basic and it's pretty safe so it's uh feels like one thing we could do right away sure and have people been using it no no (laughs) not (laughs) Not yet i think is what you want to say (laughs) sure not yet early days and a lot of adjustment going on Mm. Uh, but i guess there's a lot of like planning involved and on that front uh we'd love to hear about the sort of festival that may yet happen. Uh, the well-known Scampede Festival uh, should be coming up pretty quick here. Can you give us a hint about what you're looking at maybe doing? Yeah, I mean, if it was today, then it wouldn't happen because permits are not currently being granted. Right. So we couldn't execute it today, but we're, uh, we're remaining positive and that's because we have a good relationship with the team at the city. So as we chat with the festival department, we're engaging in some positive conversations. Uh, we will, we've all agreed that, you know, we'll follow the province uh, and national leads. So the state of emergency was extended by, extended by two weeks recently. And so we're, we're, we're watching all of that, but technically we feel like we can comply with all of the requirements that are out there now and, and actually even do better on many fronts. And so we've made some decisions for ourselves about Scampede, things that we know, uh, uh, things that we're pretty sure of, which will help us as we, as we move forward and try to plan. 
Nice. For the, for the people, if there's people listening who uh, are not familiar with Scampede, you're pretty ideally placed to be uh, an early festival to bounce back from all that's been going on. You're outdoors, you're small audiences, and you're already physically distanced in the, uh, how the shows are presented. Yeah, boy, did we get lucky with that, hey? Yeah. It's, it's, like we, it's like we planned it. But, you know, for us, we were trying to plan something highly creative and, and something adventurous. And so this idea for a festival where the audience, uh, you know, travels by bicycle or, or on foot uh, from show to show and they're in small groups of 12, uh, you know, that for us was a fun thing. And now, as it turns out, is uh, just about made for a time of social distancing. So we know we're not going to do any large gatherings. We're not going to have a, a hub the way we've had a traditional meeting place. There won't be a bar or, or concessions or food. Uh, th- uh, there won't be a music stage and, and, and sort of free em- entertainment in that regard. But for us as a theater company, the festival started as a way to showcase local companies with short 10 minute shows in an outdoor environment where you travel from show to show. And so for us to kind of have a chance to return to the roots of that, I think we're pretty excited about that. Uh, so we're, we're, as I say, we remain optimistic and we're, we've begun to develop protocols for the Scampede Festival and for all our other programs, pop-up theater and at drama camps this summer and, and trying to figure out how things like that are going to work. So uh, we have a draft of all those policies in place and, and we've heard from almost all funders for the summer. So uh, we should have the pieces in place. I'm hoping by the end of next week, certainly by the end of May. This could be a model for, you know, all sorts of theater events um, that you've, you've, piloted for a couple of years already and is very popular. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see. And I think there'll be a lot of appetite for, you know, this kind of theater and experience. And um, people are going to really be craving some sort of theater experience and connection, even just a social connection. And we've talked a bit before about how, where art is so important to process what's happening right now and to have a sense of community. And, um, and, and yeah, I think it's something that we all really need. So I'm, I'm really excited for what might come out of this. Are you like, what kind of ideas are you throwing around to get creative with the limitations and with the possibilities of a yeah, festival? That's a great question because uh, although we get to return to the roots of the festival and focus on probably about eight, six to eight local companies, uh, we want to have a bit of fun with it. So for our own company, we're talking about things like, you know, we'll come up with some kind of uh, uniform mask, uh, non-medical mm-hmm. masks that are, uh, you know, made of fabric and they'll be uh, branded, I suppose, or, or, or maybe not branded, maybe just a, some kind of uniform look. Uh, we're talking about how does, what does our box office look like and how is it made to look uh, fun, but not too inviting because we, we don't really, in any other year, we would be trying to get anybody that's walking by to stop and hang out. And that's not going to be the case this year. So, so it's probably a balance of signage and, and creative um, looks. I think for some of our other projects, we, 
earlier, uh, you know, about a month ago, we were talking about summer camps. And so we have two plans for that. One is an online version where uh, we send your kid a package that they open together with the teacher in the morning. Uh, There's some activities inside and the teacher spends 45 minutes or an hour with them. Then they say goodbye and they pick up again at one o'clock with an online chat. Uh, Just because we know that five-year-olds cannot Zoom for too long. You know, I've watched my own kid who's in grade two have Zooms with his classes. It's pretty cute to see 20 of them on the screen. But uh, Division 14 does not have the attention span (laughs) for a one hour Zoom meeting. So, you know, we talked about those plans. I think we're leaning more towards the two, you know, we have a second large studio we've found and we're looking at two large studio spaces that would be a base of operations. And as much as possible, the camp counselors would be taking the kids outside to a park to do drama in the park. So uh, looking for, you know, creative solutions there. And then maybe one we're maybe most tickled about is we're gonna start home delivery with our pop-up theater. So we're going to modify the venue. We we don't think, for those that don't know, our pop-up theater is a seven by 10, uh, 10 seat theater on the back of a truck. We don't think people are going to want to go inside that tiny venue for quite a while. So we're going to modify that venue and make it an outdoor uh, open air venue that pulls up in front of your home. And uh, we do a 10 minute show or a 15 minute show or whatever you've ordered and then we drive to the next house in your neighborhood and deliver the next show that way. So looking for uh, creative ways to respond to the times we're in and, and maintain the social obligation we have as, uh, as an arts company to provide uh, high caliber arts experiences for Victoria audiences. You know, um, yeah, go ahead. We've uh, in, private conversations among the, the group here with Check the Program, we've been talking about uh, the unique position that a lot of the indie companies in the city find themselves in. Because you're kind of a smaller company, are you finding that you're more nimble and adept at handling these you know, changes that's coming along here? Yeah, nimble is our word of the summer. We, we call for uh, submissions for, through the Canada Summer Jobs Program for uh, people ages 15 to 30 that can apply for our summer jobs. And nimble was the word we used as we called for applications for that program. We know that it's not going to be for everybody. Not everybody is going to handle the various work situations that we're talking about. That's okay. But that's something we're, we're kind of carrying as a mantra this summer. And as to the company itself, I, I said this morning <laughs> to my partner, I feel like we're the perfect size we're a little lucky. We're, you know, we're, our annual budget's about 500000 We have four, five, some days permanent regular staff members uh, at, you know, with one of us at full-time, one of us at almost full-time, and the other at varying levels of part-time. And so at the moment, two of those folks are laid off. They will be coming back. One has reduced hours. Two of us are planning for leaves later on. But all of those decisions we had to make right away to respond to what was going on. Now we see government programs coming back and we're going, okay, great. We can call, you know, where there are enough hours, we can call one person furloughed. And so we're figuring out all those logistics, but uh, you know, I was on a national theater call this morning with colleagues and uh, you know, the folks that run the Citadel in Edmonton, they have multiple venues. They're a landlord 
their eight tenants are five theater companies, two restaurants and a dentist. So no one can pay the rent. Uh, Even our friends at the Belfry are, uh, you know, doing their, their darndest on, you know, I'm not sure what plan they're on now, but I expect it's probably plan J, K or L by now in terms of when are they going to be able to produce work and bring people back to the building. And I, I think the news that came out about a week and a half ago when, when we were, it was pretty clear that, that our industry was in phase four, most of our colleagues are not going to be able to respond with work. They're not going to be able to deliver seasons. They're not going to be able to invite people into their spaces. And, and so there's a ton of heartbreak right now in our industry and people reeling from it. My, my kin that are in IATSE are, uh, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do for the next year. Uh, so theater scam is really, really lucky. And uh, what a, what a privilege that is to be uh, in, in that position um, where we're able to start thinking creatively and start talking about these fun ideas. And, um, and, and, you know, we want to make, we want to make sure we do it right because uh, if we mess it up, we're going to mess it up for everybody. So, you know, the policy that we're developing is fairly extensive and covers all of our programs. And there are uh, specific matters for, for everything cleaning for for what we what we ask of staff and what we what we want them to do and and how we keep everybody safe how we you know it might it might be a year where we don't actually get the whole staff together that there may not be a point where that happens this summer because um, that's part of keeping everybody safe so yeah do you feel like that's an added responsibility? Like you just said, the, uh, the fact that you're thinking creatively and coming up with fun ideas, which, you know, for 25 years has been Theater Scam's mandate. You guys have been doing this your entire career. You've been thinking creatively about how to place shows, where to place the shows, how your audiences can have fun, how your performers can have fun as well. And now you're in this position where, you know, like you said, you're that mid-level company where people might be looking at you going, okay, is this the way forward? Uh, so it's not just about you as a company thinking about your own people and your own programming. Suddenly you've got this other weight on your shoulders of the rest of the community looking at you going, oh, can they do it? Can we do that? How do we pivot? That's a lot to take on. Yes, it is a weight for sure. But, you know, we're going to tackle it the same way we've tackled everything. We're, we're going to put our, our mandate of providing professional, thoughtful, community involved work forward to our community in Victoria. And we're going to keep our mission of uh, ensuring our work is fun and never boring. And we're going to, with those things in mind and following all of the policies and, and the the go forward that the province has issued, uh, you know, following those guidelines um, we've been able to access guides through act safe. And so we're looking at the document that they've uh, they've sent out, uh, which is called the Event Safety Alliance uh, Reopening Events Guide, and uh, by by referencing multiple documents, we're you know we're going to put our own scam and COVID nineteen moving forward policy together, and um, and we're going to make sure that we do it better than what the current guidelines call for, hmm. because if we can exceed what the province and other bodies are asking for 
uh, we're going to do we're going to do okay. Good, great. You had mentioned IATSE. Um, that's one of the things I don't know how much the general public think about the technicians who are behind the scenes on shows. Uh, they tend to see the people on the stage. Uh, and that's something I've been very much aware of is like, even if we start to see smaller things happening, uh, people are going to be focused on the acting, you know, perhaps the directing, but maybe not so much the technicians and maybe not the opportunities for technicians if you're doing outdoor theater. Uh, what happens to sound, lights, sets, costumes, all those things. Uh, that's very worrisome for the number of people in the city who uh, function as techs. Yeah, there are probably more people that do technical theater arts work in this city than people know. They're not, a, you know, by nature, they're not a vocal group. They're not looking for the spotlight. And uh, they are very proud of their work, very, very passionate about what they do. And, you know, when I, I think of those, all those facets you just mentioned and the carpenters in this scene shop that I've had the pleasure of working alongside of. And I mean, it's just a lot, there are a lot of people that have been making their living uh, doing that kind of work. So we're thinking about that. I, I don't know that any of our programs are going to be big enough to yeah. <clears throat> support any of the, the, those technicians, but it's something we've been thinking about for sure. The only other question I had was specifically about Scampi, just if a, if a call has gone out for productions yet. I don't know if you'd put that call out before COVID hit or if that was still coming. Yes, we did put out a call. We had submissions. Uh, this, the jury conducted their work. Um, and so the, there was, uh, you know, the way it works with SCAM is a, a professional jury of peers uh, reviews those applications and then things get ranked. And so we've made the decision that uh, clearly no companies will travel. We, mm -hmm. we won't invite companies from outside Victoria. So that's kind of naturally reduced that list to, uh, uh, as I say, about six to eight people. We already know that one of our, our, our friends at Embrace Arts uh, who work with artists with uh, varying abilities are not going to be able to participate in the festival this year. The, the rigors of their work just requires able-bodied artists to be in contact with um, people with varying abilities. And it's, it, they're just not going to do that work right now. Sure. Uh, we have artists who are disabled uh, that, that aren't with Embrace Arts. And so the recommendation right now from the province is that, you know, those people sh sh should not be participating in, mm activities uh, such as summer camps or outdoor events. So um, we'll see what happens in that regard. I think we're quite willing to, you know, make whatever concessions we can. I mean, if there's a way we can keep an artist isolated so that they're, you know, they're really well protected, then maybe they can present work at the festival, but uh, safety will be paramount and um, all the, core measures of, of the new normal of, uh, you know, no handshaking and good hygiene and all that physical distancing um, will all be top of mind and, and enforced. And um, if anybody feels unwell there, please do not come to work, you know, in, in the slightest. So there's some policies that will, you know, we'll have to be prepared to respond to. But so far, it looks like we have about six to eight local companies that will be the the core companies and they've all received an email from us saying, you know, you're in, we like your work, but obviously in this 
circumstance, the work you've submitted may not be the work you present. Right. You may need to modify that work. It may need to change. And all we've asked them for right now is theoretically, are you able to do the festival right. in this new context? And uh, I think we've got about seven or eight so far. So um, we'll see what we can do to, to, to make something happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strange new times. Yes. Well, thanks well, so much, Matt. Yeah, thanks for coming. Look forward to seeing seeing how it all plays out. <laughs> yeah, thanks Getting so on much, the bike. you guys. <laughs> and if people want to check out uh, Daily Briefings with Mo, is the best place to do that on your social media, Facebook? Yeah, uh, social media on the Scam Facebook, um, or we've got most of them up now on the blog. Uh, if you can track us down via, if you can watch on YouTube, you'll probably find your way to the playlist where um, you could watch all 34. I'm not sure <laughs> how many minutes that is, but. What's your blog uh, called? Uh, at scam.ca. So, so the blog that's on the scam website. Right. And that's S-K-A-M, right? Thank you so much <laughs> for keeping track of that. All righty. Thanks so much for coming, Matthew. Thanks, yeah, Matthew. Not at all. Take care. Take care. Hey, well. Down. There you go. Guests. We even have guests. That's great. Uh, two for two. Two for two. So uh, what have people been seeing? Uh, UnoFest was the obvious one since last we spoke. Uh, UnoFest Online had week one and week two. Uh, how did everybody do with watching some of that? It was set up really conveniently, I found. Hmm. Yeah, like it was a good system. Like you, at least for us, like everyone was given a code for the week, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And then you just you go to that the week and then you'd watch those three shows whenever you want to, but it would end at the end of the week. Yeah. So Great. There, there it was, was, yeah. It was very convenient, like to be able to sit down and watch something on your own schedule as opposed to an eight o'clock curtain time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty neat and well done. Yeah. The way, the way it was set up with the ticketing and, and some different options. So yeah, I caught a couple bits. Um, um, Book of My Shames. Um, yes. I know, John, you've seen the live live one yeah. of that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it looked like a really intriguing, it was like a teaser for a show in a way, um, a long teaser. And it looks like a really intriguing uh, piece. I would love to see it live. Yeah. yeah, maybe. What did you think, John, seeing it, seeing the video and then also seeing the live show? Well, it was interesting hearing Isaiah's comments in between some of the scenes. Uh, it added another layer to it. And I think on the whole, that's what I enjoyed most about UnoFest Online was the variety of deliveries for the shows. Like some of them were just, you know, they were straight up, here's a camera. Uh, the um, the mystery one, uh, Gertrude Crump, uh, you know, watching that was sort of just like a, a two-camera performance uh, of it. Um, where something more like Sansai had the introduction to it and then the uh, recording behind it. Uh, Book of My Shames, of course, was a bit of the performance, a bit of uh, Isaiah talking. Gemini was Lindsay Delaron, strictly from her uh, backyard doing these things, uh, uniquely done for the show, which I thought was very effective as well. Monstrous, I got to say Monstrous was the one I had the most trouble watching just because I found it awkward to watch that on a screen. I'm sure live it would have been very different, um, but I did feel that was that was kind of the hardest one to see. Yeah, I um, I checked out Book of My Shames, uh, Gemini and Sansei, and I actually had a similar reaction to Book of My Shames. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you, I enjoyed Isaiah's 
little inter inter uh, seeding bits of info here and there, but I found that I, I I was very disconnected from it. And this is not a commentary on the show itself so much as the medium. Mm. You know, it's tricky because um, you know I'm not I'm not really an opera person to begin with, but I have enjoyed opera from time to time. Uh, but I find that I have to be there in person now because. Uh, there's so much of what opera is is defined by the artists you know it's in it's an explosion of emotion right opera is all exaggerated um and that's why it suits this topic so well like you know the the book of my shames being about uh this sort of struggle to come to terms with like interpersonal relationships uh as a queer person um i can i can understand and relate to a lot of that content but when it's on video I found myself kind of having to replay it a lot mm. um, just to sort of go like, wait, wait, what did you say? Cause my mind is sort of split focus between music. Um, what is being presented to me on screen in terms of, uh, you know, physicality and then the words themselves, you know, when, when you're on, when you're singing an operatic voice, you tend to drag out syllables into a long note uh, and that kind of thing. And it can often be a little bit tricky to get into. So that one I, I unfortunately kind of struggled with. Um, Gemini, I, I found quite interesting though, because it was purpose built for this. Yeah. Um, you know, Lindsay Delrond had uh, created this multifaceted look at the indigenous experience, which uh, I, I actually really liked quite a bit. Um, I am not an indigenous person, but uh, I can appreciate the way that she uh, constructed this show using a whole bunch of different um, mediums and styles. So you have like hip hop, you've got drumming, you've got traditional dance, and then you've got sort of like more contemporary fusion sort of style of dance. So blending all of those experiences together, I thought was really quite interesting. Um, and centering it on the sort of outdoors uh, was, you know, in, in the context of what we're operating in, putting it outside was like literally a, a breath of fresh air. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think that may have been part of the reason that I, I responded so positively to that one. Yeah. Sansai, I, I was really enjoying Sansai and I really wish I could have seen it live because I don't know if the, uh, the documentary video of it really did it justice. Uh, some of the dramatic lighting that was going on was, you know, it was just murky because it wasn't designed to see that way, of course. Um, but I really liked the story he was telling and I liked the way he was telling it as well. So I wish I had had the opportunity to see that live. I did get to see it live in Calgary. And let me tell you, uh, as an Asian Canadian myself, that show, it, it was an incredibly powerful experience for me. Um, I know Kunji personally, but like the, that work in particular of his, I thought was so strong. And uh, it is, I think, again, something that is better seen live. Mm. You know, as a movement piece, um, there's a lot of those elements of like, seeing it from this angle versus that angle that a camera can't quite pick up. Uh, you alluded to a lot of the, the uh, big production elements and that's a big factor as well. You know, I, I still even remember in person the moments where uh, there's the radio broadcast. This is actual archived um, footage that he uses in the show of a Canadian politician referring to the, the slanty eyes mm. of the Asians. And I remember that moment just ripping my guts out because <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you don't really think about 
you know, we, we sort of live in this like kind of like uh, state of denial, I feel sometimes where we just sort of go like, well, that's all in the past. And it's like, it's really becoming all relevant again. This week, especially I've struggled with a lot of this and uh, going back to that show, it's, it's really quite uh, chilling to think about the attitudes that still to this day kind of permeate our society. So mm. uh, I think you're right, John, that I think that that show is, uh, it's more interesting by, by far to see it in person. I'm hoping that, um, you know, given the sort of like scale of the production, there will be opportunities for Kunji to make his way out here uh, because it's something that I think deserves to be seen uh, by audiences out here as well. Mm -hmm. um, just going back to the uh, topic of like, I found with like the pre-recorded stuff with like um, Monstrous, Sansei and Book of My Shames, yeah. like there were a lot of zoom-ins on stuff. And I think that lost the effect of like the performance that we would have seen live. Because half of it is just like seeing how they interact with it. And I remember in Monstrous, there was that scene where she was drawing Africa in chalk on the stage. And it just felt, and it was the lighting because you couldn't really see the stage because mm. it was a bit too bright. So um, I, I think you've nailed uh, one of my big issues with watching live stream theater, any kind of live stream theater, is it's the difference between as an audience member, I have the choice to look where I want on the stage. Whereas when you're watching it on video, you're seeing what the camera sees and that's showing you that perspective. And maybe that's not the perspective I would be looking at. You know, maybe I'm looking at the bigger picture as opposed to a detail where they're showing me a detail. I'm like, pull out, I want to see more. And I, but I think you're right. I think it's, you know, it's a different delivery all the way around. Overall, I think Book of My Shames benefited most from like the camera work. Mm. Just because, um, going back to what Tim said, there weren't a lot of like big dramatic stuff. And I got the impression it was filmed in a small sort of theater, but it was like a lot of like, it was a small stage. It was like a lot of quiet emotions mm. that he was dealing with. Like he'd walk across like this small like square and just kind of like think about stuff for a bit. But with Monstrous and Sansei, they definitely like built their performances for a big stage. Sure. And at least with Sansei, there was like all the uh, paper cranes that were just everywhere. Yeah. And I think Gertrude Crump as well, any puppet show, uh, again, they're zooming in to give us the detail. But seeing that wide stage for a puppet show, is, I really enjoy that whole presentation. Yeah. And then I remember for like the, um, some of the projector <laughs> scenes, which are really cool, like her crossing out like the names, yes. writing in the names or like crossing out the suspects, the suspects. It was just like, sometimes I couldn't see what was being projected onto that. Mm, mm, I was just mm, like, what's going on? I tell you what I think was one of the most successful things was the bonus show that uh, Intrepid put up on their website, uh, Broken Rhythms, uh, Dylan Sonic Henderson did her piece. Uh, was it called uh, Into the Wire? I think it was. And I thought that was very effective. How they managed it, it might be one of the most effective things I've seen in this live streaming era. Uh, the music was good, the shots were good, uh, the sense of, uh, int not intimacy, but uh, enclosure, I guess, uh, it suited the screen I was watching it on. I thought her performance was very strong in that too. Especially with the last scene where it kind of looked like she was taped to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. I was just like, how did they do that? Because she clearly <laughs> wasn't taped to the ceiling, but it definitely looked like she was taped to something that wasn't flat. Yeah, yeah. That was super cool. Yeah, maybe sure. that was more that's that speaks more to the physical performance than the camera angles maybe hmm. 
I agree with you guys. I found that uh, End of the Wire was uh, probably my favorite of the uh, the Unifest online works. Um, as you say, John, there there were elements there that really gave an, uh, an impression of uh, feeling enclosed, feeling trapped. Um, the music combined with mm. the stylistic choices was so interesting because it evoked this sort of, and obviously the title enters into this, but it evoked this sense of like almost a cyberpunk dystopia feel. Mm. You know, you had this very digital electronic um, kind of soundtrack to it, undercut with these very dark kind of uh, neon red images, you know, of the handprints on the wall uh, with the one uh, uh, piece were incredibly evocative. Um, I am not a dance person. I cannot tell you what any of it means on any sort of like metaphorical level. But the point is that I felt, uh, you know, an emotional response to it in a very strong way. And it definitely, uh, it got my creative juices flowing on my end where it's sort of like, geez, we really are living in this weird kind of like dystopia right now, mm-hmm. right? Boring mm-hmm. dystopia. Let's give a shout out to the, to the creative team. So the music was by Dan Godlevich. Uh, lighting design was Emma Dirks Dickerson and film production by Matthew Graham on Into the Wire. And uh, yeah, fantastic package all the way around. Uh, what else have people been watching? I didn't see it, but I heard about the one man Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, it was good. It was, you know, I've seen it live many times, uh, but it was, uh, it was a good online production of it as well. Uh, did anybody else catch that? Yeah, quite a bit of it too. It was fun to watch online. Um, I'd seen it before as well. I enjoyed watching it on Facebook with all the comments coming in. So did I. It felt like <laughs> it felt exciting to be yeah. commenting and watching. And it gave yeah, it, it that sense of audience that I thought was really good. And I thought Charlie was very clever in the way that he was uh, responding to not having an audience. In, you know, the sections in between the shows where he would normally be talking to the audience. And he couldn't talk to the audience, so he was just kind of vamping there. And I thought that was very clever. Uh, and the sound was so much better, uh, unfortunately, than when he did his One Man Pride and Prejudice. So. Yeah, and I, I think that's one thing I'm, you know, we're all seeing with all of the stuff online. If the sound and the lighting isn't down, yes, it just makes it really hard. Like you just don't have patience for it, um, especially for something that may be more. I don't know how you say it. Uh, abstract where you need to really pay attention and uh yeah and and i'm wondering if because of that we're gonna see a different types of live shows like i think just a well-lit and mic'd monologue is would be amazing i would love to watch one you know i i'd rather sit down and watch that on than netflix maybe we'll start seeing them on netflix well, but you got to, yeah, you got to wonder, like, is somebody like TJ Daw thinking about this right now? Is he watching what's being produced thinking, okay, well, how can we do better? How can we do uh, something else? Um, yeah. You know, the uh, Spalding Gray, he was certainly a forerunner of this whole medium by just sitting at a table and talking. And his filmed shows, you know, the film productions of him sitting at those tables talking uh, were so compelling. And, uh, you know, that seemed really strange at the time in the 80s when he was coming out with these. And now it's like, oh, well, maybe this is going to be the new way forward. I think just going back to UnoFest real real quick, it's just like everything was super strong. Hmm. But it was clear that the stuff made for COVID and like it was filmed in this environment was definitely the stronger Hmm. pieces just off of that Gemini and Gemini, that was it, and Into the Wire, definitely. So, So it'll be really interesting to see like... Sansei built 
for like a live stream. Well, I really enjoyed Kunji's uh, introduction to Sensei. Like I thought that was really fun that he had done a custom intro and then, you know, he did a little gesture and the show began. And I thought that was really effective. Editing magic. <laughs> uh, something I checked out on the uh, national front was uh, Rebecca Northen, uh, her show Blind Date, which has gone all over Canada uh, and beyond. She has now taken it online. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Rebecca Northen's show, Blind Date is uh, very simply a sort of a scrimprov show. Uh, she plays this clown called Mimi, uh, who is blind dating a member of the audience. Now, how this functions in an online world is that she has prearranged uh, to meet with some people that she started out uh, knowing, um, and it has evolved into this delightful chain of ever-progressive uh, famous people. Um, she started out with her friend Tony Napa, who's an actor based in Toronto. And uh, I got to tune into this one. At the end of the stream, they were joking about that famous uh, guy with the red paperclip. Uh, this was oh, yeah. a guy who yeah. uh, gradually traded upwards from a red paperclip to a house. Right. And she said, wouldn't it be great if I could trade up from Tony Napa to Brad Pitt? <laughs> and Tony said, let's do it. Who can I get for you? And uh, she was like, oh, you're kidding. You're kidding. He's like, I can get you Colin Mockery. So she did a blind date with Colin Mockery. Colin Mockery got her uh, Andrew Fung. Andrew Fung got her Torbjorn Har from Vikings. Oh. And Torbjorn Har has now got her uh, Colm Fjord. Now, no. <laughs> that is for, we're recording this on uh, May 14th. Uh, that'll be happening tomorrow, May 15th. It'll be exciting to see after this airs who she has next uh, lined up after Colm Fjord. But uh, it's been a delight to sort of watch this, uh, this progression here. Colm uh, Fiora could hook her up with Don McKellar. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. It's sort of that six degrees, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it works really well within the medium of chat, you know, because uh, when you just have this one-on-one -on -one thing where it's like a blind date over the internet and you have the audience with the live chat kind of chiming in from now and then, uh, it's very smoothly adapted to this kind of medium. So it's exciting to see where she's taking that. Mm. Another one that's coming up that I'm kind of interested in, it's uh, two weekends, May 14th, the 16th, and 21 to the 23rd. Uh, former Victorian Mackenzie Gordon, who is now, I believe, based in Chicago, he has a company called Theater in the Dark, where all their productions are performed in the dark. So basically like a live radio play where the audience is dark and it's all done with Foley work and imaginations. They're mounting one of their shows. Uh, it's called uh, Three Stories Up, and it's a murder mystery, and they're going to be doing it through a live stream. So I think that'll be very interesting to see how that works as well, where you're not focused on the visuals because the screen's going to be black. You're just hearing it all. Uh, in this era of new radio plays and podcasts, I think it could be quite effective. Uh, one last thing I want to mention that I saw here. So I had an interesting experience with a friend of mine. Uh, we were going to be checking out the National Theatre, um, which has been delightfully putting out all of its shows online for a limited time runs uh we were going to turn in tune into frankenstein mm. and uh neither one of us thought for a moment about you know how time zones work uh, so by the time we tuned in in the uk the show had already ended oh uh so in the moment we were online we were saying okay well what the heck are we gonna tune into and i literally just hit on google i'm like what's streaming tonight and i stumbled across this show you're gonna have to bear with me here because the title sounds ridiculous the show was called kapowie go go uh this is out of new york city uh, originally, this show was performed at Open Pit Theater, or, or the Pit Theater, I should say, uh, which is the People's Improv Theater. It was written by a fellow named Matt Cox. Um, they've been doing this since 2015, 
And it's this very surreal blend of anime tropes, uh, gaming. Basically, if you're a millennial, this show is by and for you. <laughs> and the way they translated this sucker into the online world, I have not seen anybody replicate this. Uh, the way they did it with Zoom was they had all their various performers in their homes playing the different characters. There's got to be a dozen different characters in this thing. Uh, and the way they utilized the individual chat windows, they would have people, for instance, kind of like, I'm going to punch you now, and on their screen would reach over and make the punch, uh, you know, motion. The person on the other end would be reacting to that, you know, buckling oh, with it. Oh, oh. They had animations to go with it. They did lots of really creative things with, like, screens, uh, with backgrounds. Zoom has the ability to do, like, transparent backgrounds. Uh, by far, this is the show that, I would say has best utilized the medium of the chat where other companies have purpose built things, you know, to sort of anticipate we're going to do this on video. This is the first time I saw a show that said, we're going to do this in a chat and it's going to be made for chat. Ooh. So I highly recommend everybody check this out. This was the first episode of what they hope is going to be a two episode arc of this little universe they have created. Kapawi Gogo is this character who keeps coming back over and over again to have various adventures. So, Definitely check it out. Uh, like I say, that's the People's Improv Theater, Matt Cox, Kapawi Gogo. Huh. Fascinating. Oh. Has anybody uh, checked out any of the Canada performs? I saw uh, Laura Harris was going yeah. at her uh, Destiny USA um, live stream. There's, still, there's the recording of it there, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. I watched it. it was, it's another one that's interesting to watch because I've seen it live. It was interesting to see... Uh, you know, the live stream of it because she was working from, working from her home, of course. It wasn't, uh, she wasn't uh, showing an archive of the show. And uh, one of the things as, as the show was progressing, the sun was changing and it was coming through her Venetian blinds and it was all of a sudden getting really film noir because she was getting these really strong Venetian blind effects on her face. And she actually had to stop and say, okay, I'm just going to go adjust the lighting for a minute. And it wasn't, I found it a little, because she was working with a split screen, she had a signer, uh, so she had a split screen going on. And I did find that the um, the pictures were just very small, as opposed to seeing it live on stage. And I found that difficult to watch as well. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy having the opportunity to see it again. Yeah. Cool. And uh, yeah, we were talking a little bit about in this strange world of the arts news that has... Uh, coming out as things in BC start to open up a little bit, what that might look like. Um, some stuff is opening up next week. Yeah. Um, parks and everything and, yeah. and the art gallery, which is yeah. going to be free. So that's interesting. That's yeah. pretty close to me. So I'm going to check out how that's going to work. I guess the art gallery is a logical one because it's a wide open space. People can walk around with a lot of space around them and they can limit the number of people who come in. It's not so much like a, a movie theater, say, where you go and you sit for a couple of hours. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see, you know, are they going to start uh, programming music in the park again down at the Cameron Banshell in Beacon Hill? I see that. Uh, I don't know if Bouchard is doing their outdoor summer concerts. I know the symphony is canceled for the entire summer but I don't know if Bouchard as a whole is doing that. Yeah, because, you know, you can space out in these larger spaces, but really the guidance is to not have groups of more than 50. So right. how do you kind of address that in, a, in an open park? So Well, 
And like, um, like Matthew was saying, that's going to be the thing so many of them are looking at. Yes, I'm just looking at Bouchard online now and they don't have anything listed. So perhaps they're still working that one out. Uh, the Fringe Festival, of course, is the one that I'm really curious about what's going to happen with that because that's late August, early September. Um, so that might be far enough off that it can still happen. We know that um, Symphony Splash and the Jazz Fest and uh, the Paint-In, things like that are all canceled for the summer. So, you know, hopefully some new things pop up as well. It just makes me so sad thinking about it. And those, I mean, these are the traditions in our community, our, our arts events. And um, it's really hard to think of a summer without them. It is. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we just saw that the city of Victoria, um, Councillor Jeremy Loveday is looking for some feedback on how the city can support arts and events in um, in the city this summer and I really hope that we see some quick movement um, and some loosening of former rules you know maybe they close down government street and have some sort of you know distanced spaces for shows or something I don't know it's hard to say because if you sort of create those spaces then people come yeah you're, you're into an issue but I don't know if well, you know, again, like it's going to be coming down to being, like Matthew was saying, being nimble and being creative. Uh, one of the things that the city is discussing as we're talking, so by the time our, our recording is done tonight, there'll hopefully be a decision from the council. Uh, they're talking about bringing in a special round of grants to create programming for this summer, which would be really great. And I'm hoping that moving forward, this is one of the changes we'll see, is that people during the COVID crisis have become very aware of how important the arts are through live streaming performances, through things like the Canada Perform Series, concerts, uh, virtual choirs, all this kind of stuff. Will that importance of the arts for you know, mental health, for well-being, for just feeling connected with your community, will that carry forward in the future as well? Or once this is you know, we get back to normal, quote unquote normal, are people going to be like, ah, oh, yeah, the arts, what do they matter? Let's cut that, you know, minimal amount of funding that the arts always gets and put it back towards cars versus, you know, <laughs> bailing out large corporations or something. Yeah. It's certainly been uh, heartening to see a lot of the announcements, commitments for funding from the federal, uh, local and provincial governments, you know, uh, Canadian Heritage uh, going to be or sorry, Canada Council for the Arts uh, going to be administering a lot of the federal funds, for instance. Yeah. Uh, and it's widely expected that like with a lot of these, uh, there's no application process. You don't have to apply for grants. There's, the money's just going to come to you. So in that vein, uh, you know, we know a lot of organizations are going to be supported, but, you know, as we've been saying with Sarah and John, like it's so tough because you're interacting with three levels of guidelines here. Uh, federal, provincial, and uh, civic. And it's, yeah. you know, the instruction that is coming is muddy. Um, as much as I give credit to our health officials and our government for being responsive to the situation, you know, we even look at something like the, uh, the phase-in plan from the BC government where they talk about uh, this weird distinction between symphonies and large concerts. No, you know, yeah. Um, and we have to ask, do you understand uh, the institutions that you're referring to? And do you understand the public that is being served by these institutions? Because, you know, John, uh, in, in our little uh, private conversations here, we've, we've even talked about, like, do, do, do the government officials know 
that the symphony can pack uh, you know, the Royal Theater just as easily as, say, you know, any number of rock stars. Yeah. Um, so it's that kind of direction that we're really going to be looking for. And I know that a lot of these institutions are going to be saying, like, you've got to be specific with this. Um, because without those guidelines being clear from the top down, we're not going to be able to work, do the work that we need to do. So yeah. that's sort of, I think, what we're going to be looking for in the coming months. Absolutely. Especially with the 50 person uh, rule, because again, how much do the general public, how much are they aware of how many people are behind the scenes on a show? If you've got a play, say at the Belfry, where you've got five people on stage, how many people backstage, how many people in the booth, how many people working box office, front of house, plus your audience, you're going to tap out 50 pretty darn fast. Yeah, it's, it's a consideration as well of like who, uh, you know, even Matthew had mentioned, like who can actually afford to keep these spaces going um, if there's going to be, you know, a question of like a large organization, perhaps struggling a great deal more than a small organization where they, you know, were used to a uh, 20 to 30 person audience. Uh, so yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot more questions, unfortunately, than answers at this time. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely true. Uh, Sarah, the quirky good news, uh, you'd, I think you'd brought that up in the group. Um, there was some national news with one of the local performers. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Canadian uh, drag race. Yeah. Um, Jimbo, Jim Insel, I think his name is. Yep, that's is right. uh, yeah. Who is, you know, very well known as a performer um, and as an artist, um, an Atomic Vaudeville collaborator, um, incredible set designer, um, is a contestant and and watched uh, Jimbo's, we call it teaser video. Totally, it looks yeah, yeah. Like, like it's gonna be a pretty uh, fierce competition. <laughs> so, yeah. It'll be- It'll be pretty great, I, you know, whether people have ever seen Jimbo himself, but they've certainly probably seen his work if they've been going to, like you say, Atomic Vaudeville shows, Hedwig, uh, things like that. Uh, we've seen a lot of his sets. He's done sets for uh, other shows that have come through the Mac as well. And uh, it'll be neat to see him as a performer on that, uh, on that national stage. Yeah, I think that Victoria knows where the, what the talents are um are there so i think we'll see some really interesting stuff on on the show and i'm excited i'm excited to watch and kind of cheer for a local contestant so we'll have a celebrity in the making here it's a nice shout out for the local drag scene as well we've you know been talking about that for the last couple of years about how the drag scene in victoria has really grown and how there's an audience for it now and more younger performers coming out and to see it get this, this recognition through, uh, <laughs> through the RuPaul franchise. That's fantastic. It's really great. Yeah. So check it out. You know what we'll be doing in quarantine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you know when that drops in July, I think, doesn't it? I think so. I can't recall. It's on our Facebook page. We posted the video so yeah. people can check it out there and follow along and we'll be talking about it for podcasts to come, I'm sure. Great. And so. the, other, the other thing that's dropping in July that I'm very excited about, uh, I just heard that they're going to be uh, streaming the uh, performance of Hamilton, the original cast performance of Hamilton. Disney Plus has the rights to that. Oh, yeah. They had originally planned to do that in movie theaters but now they're going to shift it to, uh, to television screens. Across. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Good for all us musical theater nerds. Good for Disney to rack in a whole bunch more <laughs> memberships to Disney Plus. Oh boy, I watch a lot of <laughs> Disney Plus. I hope it sets a precedent for um, filmed versions of musicals. 
Yes. Because historically that's been very no-go. Yeah. And people have had to rely on bootlegs and stuff. Well, and there's a lot of them out there. I think almost every major production does shoot these, but they get held for so long. Yeah. And then they do bits and pieces get released. You know, like there was a Broadway of Legally Blonde that was broadcast, but it was broadcast. I don't believe it was ever released on DVD or anything like that. Um, Newsies, of course, uh, the original Broadway of Newsies is out there now. Um, but there's lots of, I can think of a hundred shows that I would love to see. Uh, the, the original Broadway of Shrek is excellent, actually. I bought it. <laughs> and it's very good. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a lot of shows I would like to see. And hopefully, yes, this does set a precedent. That would be fantastic. Okay, well, uh, is there any other arts news? Anything else we want to touch on? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a wrap for today. And um, great to, uh, to catch up. Check the program the quarantine diaries <laughs> check the program in my pajamas <laughs> yeah, that's right. well this goes back to what brianna was saying about the convenience of live streaming and certainly the convenience of podcasting uh we can yeah. do it all from our home yeah. we want to be dressed <laughs> with the presence of our loved ones and our pets that's right that's right yeah with children and dogs climbing all over us <laughs> Okay, well, thanks for listening in. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, as always, you can find us on Facebook at Check the Program. You can email us, checktheprogramyyj at gmail.com. Uh, and we will be back next month with uh, another episode of what we've been seeing online and hopefully, maybe, something live. Uh, until that time, I'm John Threlfall. I'm Brianna Bach. I'm Tim Ford. I'm Sarah Petrescu. And don't forget to... Check the, Check the program. The greatest show. The greatest show you know. The program. Check the program. Check the program. It's called Check the Program. Check the program. Yeah. Check the program. The greatest show that you know. Check the program. Check the program. Yeah.